There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got some great stories, and our first story of the day is from Frank Sarno. Won't share? Fine, we'll respect your wishes. Well, this just happened. We have a regular hangout day at either one of the houses. We've been doing this for a couple of years since the pandemic. It was at a local Denny's or IHOP previously. Since we're all old folks and lazy, like really old between 30 to 50, we've been ordering delivery from a rotation of places. It's not cheap, but this is a once or month or so thing, so it actually works out cheaper than going to a restaurant. We split up the food and costs and it works out nicely even with delivery surcharges. We also split up the cost of a movie purchase and rental, a few bucks for the host, etc. And I do mean that we're lazy in that none of us can be bothered to tally up individual costs and tips, and do highly complex math involving decimals and numbers over 10 on our leisure time. At the last gathering, we'd ordered food. The new guy, co-worker of the host, complained that it was too expensive and that he didn't think it was fair as he didn't eat a lot. He ordered a small wing plate of six wings and paid exactly for that plus the tax. No tip, no split of the surcharges. When the food arrived, you guessed it, he ate some of everything. Took a share of the leftovers too. So this past weekend, we were ready. When it came time to order, we insisted that he order separately from us. It's only fair, we have to respect his wishes. Yeah man, we were thinking of you. You're right man, it's not fair to you. Our portion came to $160. Sounds like a lot, but it was a ton of food split among four of us. His bill? $30. That's for six chicken wings and some sauce. Not sure how long he'll continue. It was a bit cruel, but we're jerks. All of us. I would say that this is actually just about probably normal expected behavior when somebody's going to act like that. If someone straight up just does not want to share and pay just a portion of whatever the food cost is, then I would do the exact same thing here. When ordering out as a group, does it bother you just splitting the bill straight up between everybody that's there? 
Considering maybe not everybody eats the same amount of food, let me know how you feel in the comments down below. Our next story is from Curly Town. Wanna wait for your friend before we seat your table? Okay, follow me. I work for a chain restaurant as a hostess. There's about 150 to 200 locations across the country. It's a southern style restaurant and we line dance. That's just for reference. Considering this is not a small chain, we have corporate policies that all locations have to abide by. One of those policies is that we cannot seat an incomplete party. If you put your party in for four people, we have to be able to count all members of your party before we take you to your table. This allows for all members to be able to order their food at the same time and have faster table turnout. This policy has some guests grumbling, but most wait until they have a full party. Except this one lady yesterday. She calls in for a party of six on our call-ahead wait list. On the phone, we make sure to tell every guest that they need to show up with the entire party. We send her a text to check in when the party's ready, and she does so. We page her to come inside, and lo and behold, there's only five members. I tell her we need to see that sixth member before we can seat. No issue there, she goes back outside. Fifteen minutes later, she comes back in and says they're all here. I and my other hosts still only count five people. She makes a scene saying it's ridiculous and I direct her to the sign on the host stand that clearly states our policy. She said her sixth guest could be up to an hour late. I tell her no matter how late someone may be, we have to stick to our policies. I said it more professionally, but you get the gist. She looks to her husband, presumably, and turns back to me and says, He's not coming anymore. Can we be sat now? Here's the malicious compliance. Most people know tables come in the ability to seat in even numbers. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, etc. She figured if she was a party of 5, and we sat her at a 6 top, then her other party member would be able to sit. I tell her, okay, no problem. I'll remark you as a table of 5. I sat her at a 4 top with a chair on the end. Boom! 5 top table for a 5 member party. Already limited space, and no way she could set another member down. She asks to sit somewhere else, and I tell her that the restaurant is packed and if she had renamed herself as a party of five earlier, I would have been able to put her at a six top. Six guy comes along almost an hour and a half later, tried to pull up a chair, and my manager told them that more than one chair at the end of a four top creates a fire hazard. Sorry, corporate policies. I mean, it's a good compliance story and the rules are very explicit. But for a dining chain, it seems a bit ridiculous to me. Am I in the wrong here? Is there a rule where you have to have everybody in the party right there at that moment at check-in just a little over the top? Or is it actually reasonable? I'd like to know what you guys think. And by the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. And our next story is from Sauron for Poor. If there's not enough space in the cafeteria, why don't you sit on the floor for lunch? Back in 2009 in a German gymnasium, similar to high school, we had some group act of malicious compliance. The background, during the last two years of your studies, you can choose a lot of your courses according to your own preferences. While this is super nice for individual development, it means that you often have one to two lecture slots free, and then again a few more lectures, etc. Basically, your timetable looks like Swiss cheese. To compensate, the students of grade 12 and 13 had their own room to chill out in by tradition. The setting, 
We were at the rift of a shift from 9-year to 8-year curriculum, i.e. the next younger students would graduate at the same time we did. This caused some shortage in capacity on our school, among them that the extra room was taken since it was needed for classes. Inconvenient but understandable. We were told to just make use of the seating and available space throughout the school. What we didn't take well was that the cafeteria became too small as well. So during lunchtime, we regularly would not have sufficient space to sit and eat. The school promised to make amends, but three months into the school year, the situation was still the same. One of the deputy headmasters of our school was a real git. He would generally slack off on his work, showed strong favoritism to whoever had the brownest nose, and was generally seen as one of the worst teachers the school offers. We asked him during class one day about the current state of affairs, and told him it's unacceptable with winter coming in to not have enough space to eat. The malicious compliance, his answer, I'm afraid there won't be any change soon. You'll just have to cope with it. I've seen you lingering around, sitting on the floor often enough. Seems like you have no problem with that, so why don't you just sit on the floor to eat? There's sufficient space in the hallways. End of November, the floor is not only dirty but wet with snow, salt, and every other dirt people drag into the building from outside, and it only gets worse over the next months. Something needed to happen, and happen it did. The next day, whenever we had free time on our schedule, we just sat down in the hallways right in front of the teacher's common room and the office of the headmistress. Our colleagues asked us what we were doing, we told them the story above, and within one day we had an occupation of the teacher's common room and office of the headmistress running taking his advice to just sit on the floor to eat. During lunch hour, that made around 300 students in front of two doors. You can imagine how that pissed everyone off. Every teacher who asked was explained that we followed the advice of Git Deputy, eating from the floor wherever space is available, and that we think here is better than lingering in the way of our fellow students. The fallout, most teachers showed understanding for the action, some didn't, One got to the point where he stepped on some girl's fingers while cursing about us. That was a very uncomfortable 10 minutes for him until he made his way through to the teacher's room. Tensions were running high. Teachers not getting into their common room that holds printers and other office supplies means lessons start late for everyone. At the fifth day, the headmistress informed us that they found a solution for the problem with insufficient space being available and that it would take effect two days later. The Git Deputy Headmaster sank even lower in the opinion of the staff, as everyone knew he should have looked after this issue and just did nothing for months. Before that, he was handled as a possible next Headmaster. Afterwards, that was off the table. Well, even though the possibility of being the next Headmaster is off the table, there's still plenty of space on the floor. Seriously, imagine having all of the students of his school come up to you and say that their experience there is so awful. And your only reply is basically, suck it up, go sit on the floor to eat lunch, kid. Just on that alone, they're already not headmaster material. This next story is from young grandpa. Can't approve overtime? Okay, I'll just leave early on Friday. For background, this took place in the 1990s when a T1, 1.5 megabits data connection, would run you over $500 a month. And the only phone company and a few very large, data-centric companies would even dream of having a T3, 43 megabits per second. 
I was working for one of those telephone companies in the central office where we provisioned and troubleshot those very lucrative services. There were four people in my department, making it one of the larger such office in the state. One day there was one person on vacation, and another one out of the office for some other reason. Tech number three was sick. I was alone for eight hours with the workload of four technicians. Well, as a good employee, I prioritized and got all the trouble tickets done and all of the most urgent new services installed. Everything due that day was done, but in the process I missed my two 15-minute breaks and worked through lunch. My supervisor came down at the end of the day to congratulate me for my good work, and he was watching me fill out my timesheet for nine hours. He started to get a little panicky and said he couldn't approve overtime. He would get in trouble. I reminded him that I'd just spent nine hours doing the work of four people, 32 hours worth of work, but he said it wasn't approved. I said, what can we do then? I worked it. I need to get paid. He suggested I leave an hour early on Friday, so I agreed. Come Friday, I decided to take full advantage and only take a half hour lunch so I could leave at 3.30 instead of 4 o'clock. Well, guess what? The vacationer and the sick person had not returned, so it was just two of us. The other person disappeared at 1.30 or so. I found out later she was interviewing for a management position. At 3 o'clock, I got paged for a ticket on one of those very expensive T3s down hard. I was to join a conference bridge to assist in troubleshooting. I joined the call, and then at 3.25 I said, Sorry, I have to drop off. I'm not approved for any overtime. The night shift person will be here in half an hour to help. I dropped off, knowing the night person on duty had never worked on a T3 before. I hadn't even reached my car when the pager started blowing up. Overtime's approved, please stay on. But I'd already clocked out, so I just smiled and got into my car. Drove home and took my wife out for a long overdue date night. I can just imagine OP and their wife out at a restaurant. The wife says, what are we celebrating by the way? And OP says, oh, I got kicked out of my job an hour early. Oh, that's great. And our final story of the day is from S10 Collade. Do not keep things in your desk if even you don't know what they are. Back around eight to 10 years ago, I was in an automation and controls position within the maintenance department. We were basically in charge of making sure launch equipment was up to our standards, modifying current fixture, PLC slash vision programming, etc, etc. So we always had crap on our desks, parts, pieces, and yes, even some junk. One day, upper management comes through and completely eviscerates the entire maintenance department for how it looks. Now keep in mind, this maintenance area looks better than 90% of the places I've been through and I've seen a lot. The other part is that, yes, we have crap sitting around, but it's because you just don't throw down a 12,000 pound fixture up on a table. We kept as clean as possible is what I'm saying. Our group had a separate weekly meeting with the manager outside of the normal maintenance meeting. This week, we could tell the big guy was uncomfortable. There's four of us in my group, myself and Tim, alias, are considered the two heads of the team. He admittedly is a better PLC programmer, but I'm a trained machinist too, so we could do some pretty cool stuff. Anyway, the boss starts out by bringing up the audit. How terrible we did and what management thinks we need to do better. Same speech we got at the full maintenance meeting. He then specifically singles Tim and myself out, or I suppose management did. He proceeds to tell us that our desks need to have nothing more than our personal property, laptops, 
in repair items, items we need to research, and new items that are part of a project that has a work order. We were actually told management was so upset we needed to double our 5S score by next month or it may affect our raise. He ends by saying, I bet you don't know what half that crap on your desk is. I do. And if you don't, no one else does. You need to get rid of every last thing on your desks that is not part of the projects you're working on. Everything up there should have a work order. Understood. We wiped everything. Test boards, HMIs, servos, drives, one-off details, everything. Most of the stuff we would fix in our spare time while we were bored, but oh well. Also, keep in mind, launch engineers are constantly dropping things on our desks so we can try it out. So, Monday, everyone can tell that we're irked. We still did our job, but if you want by the book, you got it. The next morning, Tim comes in and there's a brand new key and safety scanner sitting on his desk. He looks at his computer, then asks me, You doing a safety scanner? It's nothing I knew of, so I say no. He chucks it in the trash. Says no work order, no idea what it is, they said it goes. I followed suit, and we did that with everything we didn't know about for about a week before the first question hit. An engineer says, did you get a chance to mess with that scanner? Tim says, scanner? The engineer says, safety scanner, I said on your desk. Tim says, oh hey, OP, I figured out the scanner. Yeah, sorry, but it went in the trash. Management said we can't keep anything that doesn't have a work order, and I didn't know anything about it. I don't know exactly how things went down from there. We were rewarded with private project cabinets so our desks could stay clean. Engineer never dropped anything off without us knowing again. My boss quit talking to us for six months. It really seems like an overall win. I like to subscribe to the belief that there's a method to the madness unless their performance is legitimately tanking and there is clearly a legitimate issue. Like, yeah, I'm sure these desks were cluttered and messy looking, but if they know everything's there and they're optimal with it, why even bother them? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another compliance story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.